and welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, the first of the new year, Hadley Heath Manning joins us to discuss IWF's policy priorities in 2023. We're going to first start with an overview of the current work at IWF, including its existing policy centers, as well as some of the big victories in 2022. But then we're going to turn to the plans to develop new policy centers on energy and safety, the continued efforts to promote women's rights in this country, and this is an important one, how you can be part of the Independent Women's Network. We'd love to have you part of that in 2023. And before we bring her on to discuss all of this, let me give you a little bit more info on Hadley. Hadley Heath Manning is Vice President for Policy at Independent Women's Forum and Independent Women's Voice and a senior Blankley Fellow at the Steamboat Institute. Hadley has testified before Congress and state legislators on various policy issues, and she also appears frequently in radio and TV outlets across the country, and it's always a pleasure to have her on. She thinks Hadley, Happy New Year to you. Hi, Happy New Year. And so I know a lot of times we're only focused on what's coming up, but I thought this would be a good time to focus on everything the IWF did in 2022. And I can say this just as being a fellow and being a part of it. I feel like every time I turn around, IWF has a new center, new programs. What are some of the big victories that you think of when you think back to 2022? Well, uh, I know. Where where does one start? (laughs) Where does one start? Uh, well, we can start with the um, Women's Bill of Rights, maybe. That's uh, something we established in 2022. The Women's Bill of Rights, I encourage people to check out on womensbillofrights.com. Um, but this is model legislation that we've developed at IWF that would preserve biological sex as a distinct legal category. And um, we felt that this was important to make sure that women uh, and their rights to privacy and to equal opportunity and to safety are preserved. Um, and so that's a big project that we've taken on this year. We'll continue to work on Women's Bill of Rights in the coming years, of course. Uh, our team on the policy team did a lot of congressional testimony this year. I think at least eight times we appeared to talk about child care challenges and some other um, issues uh, you might call women's issues. Of course, we say all issues are women's issues. We talked about um, the epidemic of missing BIPOC girls. We talked about... Um, extremism. We talked about education. So we did congressional testimony on a wide swath of policy issues that run the full spectrum. Uh, In June of this year, on the 50th anniversary of Title IX, we hosted the Our Bodies, Our Sports rally, which was huge, a big win for, for our organization, an opportunity to really celebrate women's sports and stand up for women's sports. So that was a big uh, highlight, I would say, from 2022. Um, and of course, we celebrated 30 years in 2022. That was a big anniversary for IWF. We recognized Tulsi Gabbard, Kim Strassel, Vivek Ramaswamy um, at our annual awards gala. And we gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Diana Davis Spencer. So that was a big event. And um, in terms of other highlights, I would just say, if you haven't seen our Identity Crisis documentary series, be sure and check that out. That was something that we launched this fall. And uh, we're going to keep doing those uh, identity crisis documentary videos in 2023. But that's a a great series um, that's been produced by our Kelsey Bowler. Um, So we've been busy. We've been doing a lot of work in 2022. Lots of victories, lots of highlights. And I'm really proud of our team. 
And I think I've been familiar with IWF for probably about 18 years now. And so you said that IWF has been around for 30 years. Can you give us a little bit of background on the history, how it started, and how many people are part of it today? I feel like every time I turn around, there are new fellows being part of it. New people are joining the team full time. All of us telework, which is great. So everybody works from their homes, um, which is really beneficial to women. But can you give us a little insight into the origins of IWF? Right. And I joined the staff 12 years ago, about 12. almost wow. 13. I think I was, I think <laughs> I started my unpaid internship 13 years ago, but then I officially joined the staff about 12 years ago. So it's been a fun ride. And um, that's not even half the life of the organization. So um, as far as I know, and I'll do my best to honor IWF history here, it's, it started as a ad hoc group called Women for Clarence Thomas. And this was um, uh, during uh, Clarence Thomas's um, confirmation hearings. And um, really, the women who came together around that looked at each other and said, you know, we really need a women's organization that can stand up for all women. They felt that the women's movement in our country, and this was in the early 90s, had kind of veered left and was now uh, working more or less as a mouthpiece for the Democratic Party, working to um, advocate for progressive policy goals and not really standing up and championing all women. And so the founders of IWF came together, said, we're going to create an alternative vision, an alternative organization, an independent women's forum was born. Um, And along the way, we've added some affiliated sister organizations. So Independent Women's Voice um, started around 2010, and that is our uh, sister organization. It's a 501c4 and does some more political, uh, politically active um, activities. <laughs> and then Independent Women's Law Center was just established a few years ago. But that's our legal arm. And we now weigh in a lot of federal court cases with amicus briefs and um, participate in some of the debates around our judiciary branch. And um, so it's a really big organization. And of course, I I can't fail to mention Independent Women's Network, which is our membership arm. So if you're out there hearing this podcast and you're interested in our organization, a great first step to get involved would be to become a member at Independent Women's Network. I even have my membership card here with me, Beverly. You'll you'll get a membership card, but more importantly, (laughs) you'll find, I hope, a community of of women who can uh, support and encourage you to make a difference in your community. And so as you approach the new year and you are directing so many of the different policy initiatives at IWF, and as you mentioned, you have for a very long time, over a decade, when you look at the upcoming year, how much of it are you able to figure out exactly what you want to do versus we just have to play off what happens. So obviously a lot of the stuff that you have done to promote women in sports has been based on the attacks against that. So how do you figure out what to focus on and how flexible do you have to be? Yeah, I think, you know, we we do some of both and we hear a lot from IWN members. These are the issues that I'm seeing in my community. This is where I feel I need more support. This is where I feel I need more resources to to talk about these issues or to affect change or to respond to something that's happening in my community. So some of it is bottom up and some of it is us, you know, looking um, at what's going on in Congress and more of the top down kind of responsiveness that we need to have. So, for example, we know in 2023 there's going to be uh, some change in Washington. There's going to be a, a Republican-controlled House. That'll change how uh, we approach some of our work just in terms of um, how many opportunities we might have to testify in different hearings, what the topics of those hearings might be, how we need to prepare for that, how we need to be, how we need to plan to respond, um, what we think the topics in 
major media conversations will be and how we can participate in that and get IWF's message out there. Um, so to answer your question, it's both and. We are you know, always responding to things that happen. Certainly many things happen that no one knows how to prepare for the COVID pandemic and the invasion of Ukraine are a couple of examples of things that in recent years we've had to respond to. Obviously, big sea changes in the way our world works, um, but IWF being there with a, a message immediately um, and responding rapidly is, is one of our priorities. And in terms of, you know, advancing our own agenda, uh, we have launched in the past few years um, a handful of policy centers, and we are planning to launch a couple more policy centers. And these are really just um, ways that we can shore up and organize some of the work that we've been doing for a long time on a wide variety of issues. But we know as we look forward in 2023, one of the points of pain for many Americans has been the, the cost of energy. And yeah. we, we want to have a strong energy policy that allows our country to, to prosper. We know that energy is a input on many things, everything that is made in our economy and in our world. And so making sure that we have safe, reliable, affordable energy is going to be a big focus in 2023 and making sure that Americans can you know, afford to keep their homes warm this winter. Um, and another big uh, issue area where we're going to be, I think, really um, advancing our thought leadership is in the foreign policy and national security space and really highlighting and elevating some of the work that IWF scholars have long been doing on these issues um, in a center that I think will be uh, high impact and will get a lot of uh, opportunities to weigh in on the conversation. And as you said, these are issues that IWF has already talked about, has developed policies for. What is the big change when a center is developed? Is it more staff? Is it more funds going to it? What changes when the center is started? Yeah, we try to treat our policy centers almost as if they are small 501c3 organizations unto themselves. And so it's it's a hallmark of IWF that our staff, um, particularly on the policy side, our policy experts, have a lot of autonomy, a lot of flexibility, a lot of freedom. We don't do a lot of policing um, of what people say because we know that when people align themselves with IWF, they're already sharing our vision and our, our mission. And so we elevate people to these positions of directing a center. And we say, you know, the world is your oyster. What can you do um, in terms of making a difference in your, in your issue area? And we do try to prioritize um, giving them the staff resources they need, whether it's a, you know, full-time staff people joining that center or adding more fellows. Um, and then, of course, we encourage those uh, center directors to think big picture about growth and about impact. Um, and so we just try to be strategic in terms of how we um, market those centers to our friends and allies on Capitol Hill and to the public so that we can we can really make the most of the, the policy work that we're doing and be sure that it gets the, the big audience it deserves. And one of the things I've noticed that IWF has really honed in on and I would say has really developed a, a very good way of this craft is the craft of storytelling. So you mentioned the Identity Crisis video series that's been done by Kelsey Bowler, who just does a tremendous job on this. When you get into the meetings with IWF leadership, is there a lot of discussion about not just here's the policy, here's what we think works, but how do we share that story? How do we share that message? Right. Well, we want to be sure that we're connecting the dots between the conversations that are had in state legislatures and on Capitol Hill with what's happening in the real lives of real people. And so part of the the 
by, the byproduct or the beauty or, or one of the great um, results of our storytelling campaigns is that they help us become connected to many real people who have a story to tell about the way that different policies or cultural changes are affecting their lives, their homes, their loved ones. And so that informs our work in, in many ways and helps us to understand the gravity of the issues that we're working on, the impact that our work can have and that I hope that it does have. Um, but it also gives us uh, somebody to fight for, you know, when we're having conversations with lawmakers or um, in the public sphere, in the media. We know people personally who are being affected by the different laws, different policies that we're attempting to advocate um, to change. And so I, I really enjoy the storytelling aspect of our work. It exposes me to, um, I get to, you know, see a little bit more of the real world impact of what we're doing and why it's so important. And of course, it gives us, um, it gives us the ammunition that we need to be able to say, uh, this is this is why this is important. It's not just important to us because we work in public policy. It's important to us because ultimately we want to improve the lives of our fellow Americans. And the Identity Crisis Series, I think, has just been so important because one of the things that we talk a lot about as IWF um, fellows or those who work there full time is this feeling that there is this erasing of women out there in society. So getting rid of women's rights instead of actually promoting them. Is that going to be a huge focus in 2023 as well, supporting women's rights, especially in areas like you focused on in 2022, which is um, women in sports? Yes. And, and you know, I I kind of think that people talk a lot about women's sports and that's one piece of it, but it's, it's actually much bigger than that. We're interested in the uh, safety and privacy of women in a variety of situations, whether they're seeking shelter at a battered women's shelter, or if they're in the prison system, or if they're a college student who shares a dorm room, you know, we want to be sure that women have the safety privacy and equal opportunities that they deserve. And so we're working on that issue very broadly. But as we like to say, you can't defend women's rights if you can't define woman. And so we've been working to uh, change the culture around this topic as well. Of course, in my lifetime, I've seen a lot of changes to the way that people approach conversations about feminism and traditional gender roles. I think I've witnessed a lot of progress and I've enjoyed the, the fruits of the progress that previous generations of women who are fighting for the basic rights to education and entry into different professional fields um, have fought for and have won. And now I think it's, it's our task to be sure that those equal opportunities are still available for our daughters and for the next generation. And um, I don't think this is a fight that IWF really went looking for, but when your name is independent women's forum, you have to define what that means. And you have to stand up for the women in this country and, and around the world. And I, I hope that we're doing that justice. Well, I want to take a brief moment to talk to you, our listeners. You may know that IWF is the leading national women's organization dedicated to enhancing people's freedom, opportunities, and well-being. But did you know that we are also here to bring you women and, yes, men on the go the news? You can listen to our High Noon podcast and intellectual download featuring conversations that make a free society possible. Hear guests like Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin discuss the most controversial subjects of the day or join us for happy hour with At The Bar, where hosts Inez Stepman and Jennifer Becerra's on the latest issues at the intersection of law, politics, and culture. You can listen to past episodes at IWF.org or search for High Noon or At The Bar in your favorite podcast app. And I do want to talk about that. More podcasts continue to be developed. I think this has been great, uh, obviously, 
I hope she thinks so. Obviously, I would think it would be great that we have this podcast. Our podcast is so great, Beverly. Our podcast is so great. <laughs> We've developed so many more, though. And what has been really the the reason behind that? Do you just find, I mean, so many people are listening to podcasts these days. I personally just love the conversation, the long-form conversation that's interesting. I find that podcasts take us away from soundbite culture and actually get to nuance. Yeah. So just, just interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, people are very busy in the world that we live in. Um, moms especially are often on the go. You can listen to a podcast in the car, or I like to listen when I fold laundry, um, just because that gives you you know, a, a chance to, to think about things while you're doing something else. Um, it can be more difficult to sit down and read a longer paper or um, even to watch a show when you have to you know, pay attention to the visuals. Podcasts are nice because they're uh, you can you can just do the audio only. And uh, if you are audio only, you don't see how the sun is really, really come in the window. <laughs> I look like I've been touched by an angel, like on that. Or old your lovely window. Christmas tree in the yeah, background. Yeah, I'm just very, I'm glowing. My neck is glowing <laughs> right now because the sun is coming my window during this conversation. But I, I do think that the longer form conversations are good too, um, particularly when you can listen to a podcast with people who share enough in common that they can have a good conversation without, you know, becoming too antagonistic, but then also have different enough views that there's some discussion and and debate. And um, that's what I enjoy about many of IWF's podcasts. I, I'm personally, I'm, I'm a big fan of high noon. That's a longer form podcast um, that we feature at IWF and many of the guests there uh, might share a lot in common with Inez and how she sees the world, but they might also have some areas where they're not 100% 100% on the same page, and that makes for a good conversation. Yeah. Well, I want to round out the conversation, delving a little bit more into the Independent Women's Network, because that is how people, how women across this country can get involved. I am a member. You are a member. Tell us a little bit about all the different ways the Independent Women's Network is there to to help women and a way for women to get involved. Yeah. Independent Win- Women's Network is really our COVID baby, I would say, at, at IWF, um, because we found that during the pandemic, which was Unfortunately, an accelerant to many of the worst trends in our society in terms of just the atomization of our culture. People were feeling very lonely. People were staying home, um, often alone. People were very plugged into their computers, but um, finding it hard to connect with other people in their communities um, during a time when they felt it was more important than ever to get the right information that they needed and to advocate for the the best um, policies in their local communities. Um, and so we saw this as an opportunity. Uh, here's the great policy work that we're doing at IWF. We have all these resources. We're often trying to make a difference um, in the, the way things are legislated. But there are many people who want to get involved with us. We Over the years, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who say, I want to get involved with the organization. I want to become a member. How do I become a member? And so really, there was just a lot of demand for this and um, an opportunity with the COVID pandemic. And so we have had, we have over 17 chapters now. I'm a member of our Denver, Colorado chapter, um, which just launched later in the year in 2022. And uh, it's been really wonderful to connect with women in my local community. And ironically, the the way that I, I connected initially with our Denver chapter leader, she's a mom who lives in Denver, a former um, Division One track athlete, and I think you've interviewed her, Beverly. <laughs> and she <I> <laughs> um, she connected with me on Twitter first because mm-hmm. she saw that I was sharing um, about my experience um, with my, my son's preschool where masks were required and, and masks were required at his preschool for long after they were required in, in most places. And I was really 
not happy with this policy and doing all that I could to change it, of course, in a polite and and continual way. Um, But she found me on Twitter and she said, I'm a like-minded mom in Denver. I've got the same situation going on with my kids. Let's join forces. And that's really what's so wonderful about IWN is that women can connect and say, here's this issue. Here's our community. How can we make a difference? And let's do it together. And people can just go to the IWF website to sign up for Independent Women's Network. So we encourage you to go there and take a look at it. But Hadley, I just want to thank you for all the work that you've done, not just for IWF, but for women across the country. As you said, you have been at IWF for over a decade and do amazing policy work. We appreciate what you do and also for joining us this this on this She Thinks and a very happy new year to you. Thank you. Well, it's been a privilege to work at IWF and to watch the organization really grow like gangbusters in the last several years, especially. I am nothing without the team of women that I get to work with every day. And so I really want to give uh, credit to all the women who work in all of our departments at IWF. It's a wonderful team, a growing team. We've got something like 40 fellows that have to do an official count, but we've got just an enormous number of really wonderful senior and visiting fellows, even junior fellows now who uh, help us to get our message out in a variety of different audiences, locations, formats, uh, media. So I appreciate you, Beverly. You're one of our our fellows, but I am just so thrilled to get to work with this team. And that's what makes it uh, not just high impact, but also really fun. A lot of fun and a lot to look forward to in 2023. So thank you so much, Hadley. And thank you all for joining us today. Before you go, IWF does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. And investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. That is iwf.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review. It does help. And when you love it, if you shared this episode so your friends can know where they can find more She Thinks. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for watching.